I'll be bringing the message tonight. And I just want to say it's, a, it's such a blessing just to be able to have the opportunity to preach once again while our pastor's away. Uh, just remember to keep him also in your prayers. If you're turning your Bibles, though, to Matthew 22, that's where we will be remaining primarily in Matthew tonight. And I've, I've put a little bit of a, a title, as it were, together, which is more of a little bit of a paragraph, but... Good relationships with people starts with having a good relationship with God. A good relationship with God is only developed through having good relationships with people. And so tonight I'm going to be talking about how can we, have, how can we love God more through having good relationships with other people. So you should be in your Bibles to Matthew 22 and we'll be reading from verses 36 onwards. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I'll just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege that it is to open your word. And Father, I do pray now, Lord, that you would be with us, Lord, that you'd be with our hearts, Lord, and that you'd just help us to get something from your word, Lord, that it might change us, Lord, that we might love you all the more. I pray these things in your holy name. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about the two great commandments. Of all of the commandments that God has given throughout the Bible, whether it be via the prophets or whether it be through the law, on these two, everything that we are to be, which is the law and the prophets, everything that God has instructed us to do and to be is summed up in these two things. Jesus has made a very clear connection between us loving him and us loving each other, that you can't love God truly unless we also elevate loving others. Now, I want to make it very clear that I'm not saying that our love for others should in any way surpass or be held equivalent to our love for God, but a true love for God is incomplete without a true love for others, as it is the very heart of God to love one another. The second is likened unto it. It's a part of the first commandment. What I am saying, though, is that a change of heart means nothing if it isn't, if it isn't evident in some sort of a material change in the real world. See, we might, we might love God in our heart. We might say, look, I, I pray 10 hours a day. I fast, I do, I read my Bible more than any other. I could memorize any verse in the Bible, but unless it comes out in some practical way in the real world, faith without works is dead. The Bible has made very clear that unless to love God, there must be a material outworking of that. And most evidently throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, the majority of the commandments are about interpersonal relationships. How are we to love one another? By our fruits, what we do, we are identified as of God or as of the world. If you're turning your Bibles just to, we'll stay here in Matthew. We'll just go to Matthew 7 and we'll have a look here at a, another, another verse. On this idea that a, a true change of the heart, a true love for God coming out in the real world, we'll turn to Matthew 7, verses 17 to 20. 
Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth good fruit, that bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. By our fruits, what we do is how that we are identified with Christ. When the world sees us, if we're looking even within the church, who here is of God? God has made it very evident that the only way that we will be able to be identified with Christ is by our fruits, what is worked out. It's not a part of what we will naturally do, but a lack of fruit in our lives, a lack of godly fruit, that is, not just what we would normally do, is an, evident, is an identifier of a false Christian, a wolf in sheep's clothing, the Bible says. They look good on the outside, but their heart is not for God, nor the things of God. But God didn't change our hearts. He didn't save us. He didn't save our souls for there, be to, for there to be no material change in the real world. If we love God, there ought to be something different about us in the way that we live from the world. The Bible word for this is to be holy, to be separate from from evilness, but separated unto God, to be different as God is different. We are also called to do and to be, what we are called to do and to be, we are called to view and treat people how God treats them. That is what is in that commandment. Love God, love others. He loves us, we are to love others the same way that he does. And Actually, if you'll just turn over one more page to Matthew 5. We'll have a look at another, another verse here in Matthew 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It is the very commandment of God that we are to be as God, as much as in our, in our humanity we can be like God. There are some things about God that we just can't be. We cannot be omnipresent. We cannot know all things. But there are certain attributes of God, like being holy, like having love one for another, like forgiving one another, like showing grace and mercy. These things are what we should be obtaining unto when we are set wholly aside from the world. When we interact with people, we must treat them as God treats them. It doesn't matter what they've done to us. If God loves them, then that's how we are to love them. God will... A big reason why we should put such an importance on loving one another is because not only will God judge us if we don't, because it is sin, or he has put in his word specific judgments if we do not, ele- if we do not elevate our love of people to a certain extent, he will judge us according to that. But even more importantly than just the judgment that God will give us, What's even more important is that we cannot truly love God if we do not love them also. And so I'm just going to try and unpack that in three main ways, how we should interact with one another that we might learn how to love God more. And the first of these we can find in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The first and greatest is love. And now abideth faith, hope, charity... These three, but the greatest of these is love, or is charity, or love in this sense. If we don't love people, how can we love God? 
John 1.18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Nobody has seen God. God's ways are separate from ours. His ways are above ours. It is not in of ourselves that we might know the will of God, nor that we might learn how to love him. We only know of him. We only know how we are to treat one another. We only know how to love because Jesus has revealed it unto us. He has revealed that aspect of God to us. So, why should we love other people? In John 1, 4, 20, the Bible reads, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. God is making a distinct connection between a love for him and a love for people. If there is no love for people, if we have hatred in our heart towards our brother, we are a liar if we say, I love God, because the truth is not in us. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You see, God has given us this second commandment that we can learn how, to, how we should interact with God, who is most lofty, who we cannot see, whose ways we sometimes do not fully understand, by bringing it down to a level that we can understand. How we treat us to understand how we ought to interact with God. Because people, just like God is, is a person. They are people. They have feelings. They have emotions. They are alive in that aspect. I want to use a bit of an analogy with this. When it comes to God and the way that we should view him when it comes to who he is and the fullness of his being, often sometimes we might, we might view, to help us view God more clearly, I should say, I'm losing my train of thought here. All right. We would, not, we would not steal someone that we can see before us. We, not, we would not steal from someone who is watching us wanting to take their stuff. But all the more, we might steal even when God is watching. But even though he is present, because he is invisible, we do not elevate him to the same level that we would people. We wouldn't do it because we know that they'd call us out and call us a liar. But we would when we're in the presence of people who don't know, even though God, who knows all truth, he sees. And so there is an important an importance that we must put on the way that we view other people and the way that we view God ought to be very similar. In the ways that we elevate people, we ought to elevate God even all the more. We ought to love him even more than we love people. Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. God is putting such an elevated standard on himself, but so often we bring him down and we think we can lie. We, we, think, we, can, we think we can go and steal and like we're somehow, we're not seen, we're not revealed in that. But God sees. So often is the case, everything else in this world, we've elevated above him but we've forgot him. We have made ourselves liars when we say, I love God. Well, do we? The next way in which that we, should, that we, can, we should be careful to view others is in our, the, our forgiveness to one another. If we have a proper view of how God forgives us and how we should forgive others, this will only help us increase in our love of God. John 3.16, such a well-known verse, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. From love first, then came forgiveness from God. God came to us because he loved us first. Likewise, from our love that we, have, that we ought to show, we ought to also forgive one another, even as Christ forgave us. And the truest outworking of love is forgiveness. When Jesus came and he died on the cross and he bore the sins of the entire world, giving us that forgiveness, no greater show of love was ever displayed unto man. God is calling us to be exactly the same way. How many times should we forgive? And we already know, 70 times 70. So much so that we can't even remember the last time we had to forgive. We're to just keep on forgiving because Jesus has done the same thing for us. So too should our forgiveness be unending because there's no end to God's forgiveness to you. God forgave all of our trespasses, every evil thing we ever did, and he wants us to be exactly the same. Be ye therefore perfect, even as I am perfect. Forgiving them might not mean that everything goes back to the way it used to be, but it does mean that we no longer hold those grudges against people. Isn't this what Jesus did for us? In Psalm 103, verse 12, For as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. God isn't bringing our sins back up. They're long forgotten. When the blood of Jesus is applied, that's it. But how often do the mistakes of even our loved ones, our friends, or even our enemies, do we always hold on to these, these grudges that we have against them about the tiniest little mistakes when if God did the same thing to us, how, how broken would we be in remembrance of all the things that we've done wrong? But God is calling us to be, have a higher standard. Jesus, in a, a parable that he tells in Matthew 18, and we can turn there actually, Matthew 18. And most of you probably already know this parable. It's, um, Jesus is telling a story about um, from uh, ending in verse 35, but he's telling a story about a king who a servant owed him a thousand pence. He owed him a, a debt so great that he could never pay it back. His servant couldn't afford to pay back the king, and when he pleaded with the king to be forgiven of it, the king forgave him. But when that same servant then went home, his own servant, owing him as little as 100 pence, he didn't, he didn't forgive that servant. And this is what the Bible reads, that that lord, that king, did to his servant who wouldn't forgive in the same way that he forgave. Being an analogy of God with us. In verse 32 of Matthew 18... Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall your heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one, his brother, their trespasses. The key there being from their hearts. Forgiveness in action and from the uttermost, the uttermost parts of our being. God wants a heart change and in that change to change our actions. From the inside out, God wants us to be different. 
But ultimately, God again wants us, through our forgiving of each other, to remember all that Jesus has forgiven us about. You see, all the points of this, whether it be God's love, and he wants us to have love one for another, it's so that we would remember. Wait a minute. What, how, how much love did God give me? When he says, I want you to forgive, every time someone comes up and they do something evil to you and the Spirit says, you better forgive them, it ought to be in us that we are reminded of what did God forgive me of? How much the more, if we would remember only the things that God did for us, would our love increase for him? God wants us to, to have that sort of mindset. But so often is the case that rather than having the, the humility and the understanding of that actually, you know what, you know, this person, they did me wrong, but I did God wrong so much more. I ought to forgive. So often we elevate ourselves. You know, in that verse it says that whether it be father or mother or in his own life also, we have elevated our own desires, our own life up and above what should be rightfully only for God. And in, in doing that, we have forgotten that that forgiveness that we're supposed to give, that forgiveness that God wants us to portray, that that's the very thing that would help us remember who he, who he is and what he did for us, that we might love him all the more. If we love people and our relationship, though, is not brought of love, is mercy and grace. If we've forgiven our brother, let's also show them mercy. Not mercy, grace, sorry. Grace. Grace is what we're looking for. Grace is undeserved favour from God. So grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. He's giving us good things. Matthew 5, 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unrust. Regardless of who it is, God loves them. God has forgiven them. God has extended his grace unto them in the same way that he's done that with us. Even those that will never repent, God still sends the rain. God still pours out his grace unto them. Even though he knows that they will ultimately reject him, he continues to do it all the same. If God has that kind of grace and he's given you that kind of grace, how undeserving are we? I mean, it only takes a brief moment of a look in the mirror to realise that actually we don't deserve the grace of God, but he gives it all the same. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We are called to be like him, that we might remember the things that he has done for us, that we might love him all the more. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. God has called us to forgive them, to elevate his standards above our own, above our friends, above our family. Everything else is to become subject unto God and his ways. When we show grace, when we're in the right mindset, and when, we've, when we truly examine all the things that we've been given. I mean, how many of us here tonight came in a car that works, that has fuel, regardless of the prices going up, who has food in the fridge, who has a home, who has a bed that they can return to. How many grace, graces, blessings has God given us 
And yet when he asks us to do even the smallest bit in return, when our brother who is hungry comes and asks, can you feed me? No. How quickly do we forget all the grace that God has given us? If only we would remember what God has done for us, then we would have a right estimation of him and our love for him would increase. Everything God has called us to do, everything everything that he's called us to be is ultimately to increase our love of him. In Matthew 22, 36 to 40, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, that thou wilt love thy thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we want to put God in his rightful place, we have to put people also in their rightful place. We, we can't just have a sort of mindset that says, well, I, I read my Bible, I pray, I do these things with God, therefore me and God are okay. If we have anger, if we have hatred in our heart towards our brother, we are a liar if we say we love God and we do these things. My encouragement tonight to you would be, if you want to have a better relationship with God, Start by doing the things that he's most interested in. Start by putting people in their right place. There is nothing that God is more interested in than people. God has a profound interest in people, so much so that he would even send his own son to die upon a cruel cross. And yet so often we neglect the very thing that God is most passionate about and then we wonder, well, why am I just not feeling like I'm really loving God like I used to. It's because we've forgotten all those things. Love people as God's loved you. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. Be gracious as God has been gracious to you. Put God back in his rightful place. Put others back in their rightful place in your view. And you will love God more. Regardless of any good thing we do to one another, though, our motivation must be first and foremost, how might I love God more? We can elevate works to some higher extent, and they mean nothing. Our works will fade away. They are but filthy rags before God. But if we in our mindset first come, Lord, how might we love you more? How might we do your will more? Then we would, we would, if we would seek, we would find First and foremost, love God. How do we do that? We love others. And from that, mercy and forgiveness. God has broken down this lofty thing known as love God with all thy soul, with all thy strength and all thy mind, and he's brought it down each step. I want you to love others. The things that you can see, I want you to start with that. And then within that, I want you to show them mercy. I want you to show them the sort of grace I showed you. And if only we would put that back in its rightful order and we would work through it the way that God intended, then I think we could could truly increase in our love for God, which ultimately is what should be each Christian's heart desire. How might I love God more? All right, that's all I've got for you tonight. Thank you for listening.